Welcome to Inside Legion, the podcast that takes place inside David Holler's mind. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm here. I'm Pete. Oh, you're also here. This is great. We're all here to talk about Chapter 15, the latest episode of Legion. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff's been going down the past couple of episodes. Uh, actually, in a weird way, maybe not. You know, we've been kind of having a lot of uh, character-focused studies, at least the last three mm. episodes. But this episode, a lot of stuff went down. Uh, leading up to this We've been dealing all season with the battle between the Shadow King, who is a psychic entity who wants his body back, and Legion, who is the most powerful mutant alive. Uh, Legion, uh, Legion, uh, David Holler has been kind of fighting against the Shadow King, kind of not fighting against the Shadow King, uh, teaming up with him. Uh, he's been working on the direction of his girlfriend, Sid, but from the future, who has oh. been telling him to save the Shadow King and work with the Shadow King and help him find his body yep. to stop some sort of apocalypse that's coming that's going to destroy the world. Um, meanwhile, they've all been working out of Division 3, which was their enemies last season. Uh, now they're teaming up with them. Division 3 is led by a guy with a basket on his head named basket Admiral Fukuyama. Yeah. And also Melty Face. Baskethead uh, and Melty Face. Yeah, Baskethead and Melty Face. Uh, they have names, but, you know, whatever. Whatever you want to do, Justin. Yeah. Well, you know, it's just nice to rem- remember them for who they are. Uh, sure, Admiral Fukuyama and Clark. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but whatever That's you, what you call them. I know, I have my nicknames for them. So Admiral Fukuyama also has, uh, he doesn't talk, he communicates entirely through three cyborgs called the Vermilion, or the mustache, mustache ladies. Uh, oh, God damn it, you guys. And so, uh, what We else? speak for the common person. <laughs> yeah, we do. And the you. other thing we should probably mention, uh, there's been a theme running throughout the season uh, about delusion, and delusion specifically has been represented, or again, we thought represented, through an egg that cracks open and comes with a deformed chicken that's not fucked even... Fucked up re- chicken. Yeah, it's like a spider chicken. chicken. It's, like it's like a spider oil chicken. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or oh, like that sounds also real nice. Yeah. I'm not going to cook that And it that sounds up. like John Hamm. Ah, uh, yeah. And John Hamm's been narrating things, so that's pretty cool. Do you think there's a connection between chicken and ham pigs farm? Whoa. Oh, that's also, just one of my many conspiracies. Uh, <laughs> also, we uh, found out at the end of last episode that his sister, uh, his sister died. Oh, yeah, that's probably important to mention as well. Yes, big so time. The Shadow King, uh, Oliver doesn't actually show up this episode, but the Shadow King uh, used Amal Oliver. Farouk is his name, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Amal. <laughs> First name Mo- Molly, yeah. yeah, as I like to call Molly. Him. Yep, common yep, name. There you go. <laughs> That's no problem with you, yeah, right? No, I say Molly all the time. There I you bet go. you do. Yeah. So uh, he uh, took the body of David's sister, hollered her out, squished her, and turned her into Lenny, David's old friend as uh, slash drug buddy. Yeah, and a request that was pretty of Pete Page turned <laughs> a character Pete didn't recognize into a character he loves. Yeah. <laughs> But that's how you guys bring imaginary, uh, you know, imaginary people to life is you hollow somebody out who's real and then stuff that imaginary person inside. I know. So many nights I've woken up to Pete standing over me trying to squeeze the Punisher from Marvel Comics into my body. Yeah, yeah that's how you turn oranges into apples as well. Yeah. Just squeeze them. Yeah, just squeeze them. Let's get into this episode. Uh, can I say something kind of controversial uh, right up front? Uh, yes. This was my least favorite episode fuck of Legion. You. Really? Yeah. Fucking fuck. Interesting. Yes. There fuck were you. parts of it I liked, but I was super not into the second half of the episode. Wow. I found it very boring, and I didn't like it at all. I hate how you divide things in halves. 
<laughs> it drives me insane. You're like, oh, the first half of this movie was, eh, and the second. No, it's like either all That's of it is good or not. That is absolutely not how the world works. Well, I don't care. Uh, you're, you're bad, but only half of you. Uh, guess which half? Good. Yeah, he loved the first half of what you said and hated this. Where later? <laughs> but let's get through it. You want to? Yeah. You want to yeah, drive so here? We kick it off with uh, sort of the wrap up. It feels like of the John Hamm uh, yeah. vignette series uh, about moral panic, uh, and they start to really connect together in this one. I feel like. Yeah, but as he's kind of talking, we're seeing that bug slash demented chicken thing. Yes. Know? Yeah. Uh, and I feel like the, so the point of this, some lines from it where this isn't real, the response is, and it's excessive. What's more terrifying, fear or or the frightened, which I thought was oh, so, that was such a good line. so good was great. Uh, and so poignant. Yeah. This, uh, idea this all wraps around. Panic is insane. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a thing that's happening, you know, perhaps right now in the world. And once yes. again, they connect it very specifically to what's going on in the world, in our world right now. Uh, but they also connect it back to the devil with the yellow eyes oh, love from that. the first Stop season. Stop doing that. No, it was Which great was to so see him. scary. Great to see him just in a white room with kids. Oh, <laughs> that was so freaky. Well, what did you guys man. think? Uh, they did a bunch of classic comic book art Very based cool. on the devil with the yellow eyes. I thought that was really neat. I want one of those hanging in my, uh, no. my basement. No, you have Absolutely. a family, dude. You and can't do stuff like that. to your point about it connecting to things, we've seen this white space where John Hamm has been talking about different ideas like the Hindu milk miracle and moral panic and delusion and all these other things and we find out this is essentially where the Shadow King is living. This yeah. is his white room connecting it back to the plot as the Shadow King is doing something, building some sort of engine that's attaching to some sort of car. And also, you know, David had his white fuck room for a while too. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is, well, he's just in his fuck room, he's building a car. Which is totally yeah, normal and, and often sexual. Guys, can I ask you? Yeah, that's like, not how cars work. Uh, I haven't. I don't. I haven't had a car in a long time because we live in New York City. But the okay. last time I checked it, the cars don't run on goo, do they? Uh, they do uh, oh. actually. Now you know the um, the goo in um, Ghostbusters too. Yeah, <laughs> that's how cars run now. It's very good for the environment. Very bad for ghosts. Yeah. Oh man! But I got a uh, Statue of Liberty that I drove here. Runs like a dream. Nice. Yeah, what man. song did you play while you were uh, driving? I don't remember yes. that song. Oh, Satellite from Dave. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Alex runs it his Statue just, of Liberty uh, on. Entire Fiona Apple album. It was Our Love is Lifting Me Higher Than I've Ever Been Lifted uh, Before. There we go. Thank Guys, you. do your homework. I demanded you watch <laughs> Ghostbusters 2 before we taped today. And what did you do? Did you watch half of it, Alex? Probably, because yeah, that's probably the only part the first that. Stupid Alex. <laughs> I watched the real Ghostbusters oh. on my VHS cassettes. Nice. Oh, cool VHS cassettes? You sound like a young person trying to sound old, <laughs> which isn't a real thing. Uh, uh, that's definitely not what you are. Yeah, uh, I put my laser discs in my MP3 player. <laughs> um, but to your point, um, so what did you think? This, the fact that Farouk is in a white room, is he right. in his own white room? Or is this meant to indicate that maybe Farouk is still inside David's head, inside David's Whoa. white room? Oh, that's interesting. I, I didn't necessarily get that, but I do think like we're playing a lot with the astral plane and what it means this season. And we've seen for the comics that the white room is a way that they represent the astral plane. I yes. do think this blank space illustrates a way of making the world into whatever you want it to be. And for David, that's a fuck room. And for yeah. the Shadow King, that's 
perhaps this world where we're finding out about all of these different mental illnesses and ways of destroying and uh, wiping away people's psyches. So it's almost his workshop, you're yeah, saying. Yeah, exactly. Right? Uh, well, let the me, whole world is his white room. He's fucking with everybody. I mean, I guess that's uh, back to the astral plane of it. But uh, let me throw out following sort of my theory that um, if it is still in David's head and uh, Amal Farouk is sort of doing this, building this car that he then uses to, jumping ahead a little bit, to travel into the future to meet with future Sid, that would make sense that he would be building that inside David's head because how else could he travel through time? Uh, that's a good question. What the fuck? So maybe when Farouk sits down with future Sid and they have that great conversation, that's actually David's think body. That was a great conversation. It was. Uh, it was, it was uh, do you want to talk about that? Did you, just yeah, jumping we can ahead jump ahead of yeah. that. Uh, he has this great like gambling, shooting craps. Even when he loses, he wins. I feel like that is his whole thing. Yeah. And the idea that maybe we're all villains, I thought right. was really cool. But the other thing that happens in this conversation, so they have. It's a very blocked out scene where they're circling each other around this throne and Farouk initially is sitting there. Sid is staying away. Then Sid takes over the throne. But there's a moment when Sid reveals what has happened, that he died, that the world got ruined because that that Farouk, for the first time in the series, I think, becomes unsure. Like you can see in his face that. He doesn't know how to play this next. And he realizes he immediately does get control again, but he realizes that he has to team up with Sid, that he has to figure out a way out of this. Uh, to me, it felt like the throne was David. It was control of David. Ooh, and so okay. there, I feel like Sid and Farouk are... We haven't seen Sid for a couple episodes, really, uh, since her s- solo episode. So this, to me, was her return, and we're seeing how, setting up for the, the maybe end game of this season. It's going to be Farouk versus Sid and future Sid to sort of, as with David in the center, trying to figure it out. Do you think we're going to see Sid and future Sid in the same scene? Uh, I... I don't think you can do that, because then it would destroy... You know, oh, time, time Cop rules? Yeah, yeah. yeah, Time Cop rules always in effect. I love the first half of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I all love the second half. So, uh, this... It's kind wait, of wait, this... Wait, wait, hold on. I feel kind of split on Time Cop. Oh, boy. No, that's great. I don't know what you're talking about. It's a Jean-Claude Van Damme thing. Got you, got you, got you. He does splits. He does uh, do Oh, he does do splits. So, great. <laughs> uh, they end on so if, two, if your future self and you were in the same place, it would call us a split in the you space know, time continuum. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just a quick question: Do you think uh, when Jean Claude Van Damme goes into an ice cream shop, he's like, "I'll have the banana split," and then he does one? Yeah, and then he does a split, and he's like, "Oh, I'm so old now. <laughs> I'm so bad at this. My whole balls are broken." I think maybe in the 80s he did it a couple of times, but he probably doesn't do it anymore. Yeah, yeah definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, they end that scene with the idea of together we will rule the world, and then Amal Farouk re- quickly corrects himself to say save the world. Uh, yeah, that was a real slip of the tongue there. Yeah, another theory I thought is if Amal Farouk was traveling to the future, um, this is the moment when he takes over future Sid mm-hmm. uh, because he does touch her. Uh, on the yep, cheek, which would mean that they would change uh, personas potentially. Yep. Yeah. We don't know when in in time, when in linear time, this takes place. Maybe Amal Farouk met with Future Sid, and then that's when Future Sid started talking to David, thus me making mm. pushing David to befriend Amal Farouk. I, I mean, I can see that. I think yeah. 
my impression was that it is happening linearly, at least in terms of yeah, how we're seeing future. That's sin. what you think because you're a sucker. Yeah, I, I should mention I'm a sucker when I'm talking about this. Oh, but I always had that in post. I, I took it pretty straightforwardly. <laughs> like, I think the horrible thing about this for David is that his worst enemy and his future girlfriend that we have very much a part of this episode is his complicated relationship with Sid versus future Sid Yes, uh, are teaming up. And that's not great for him. That puts him in a very weird kind of terrible situation. Yeah. No. Yeah. And also there's this whole, uh, you know, are you jealous of your own future self? Sure. Well, let's talk about that. So they have this conversation where they discuss this. This has been touched on before, uh, but it's, I was trying to characterize it in terms of like a real relationship. It's mm-hmm. almost like, going to see your old girlfriend and talking to your current girlfriend about that. And she's like, well, of course I trust you. It's fine. And you're like, yeah, we didn't do anything. It's fine. But there's still that feeling there. There's something that's pulling in your gut. Yeah. Have you guys ever like hooked up with your future girlfriend? (laughs) (laughs) My future past girlfriend. I mean, yeah. Anyone you hook up with is your future partner. Technically. Mm. What? <laughs> I uh, love your dating app, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, you want to fuck the future? <laughs> Sign up for oh, dating app. Oh, swipe forward. <laughs> yeah, swipe forward. So, uh, but you guys know what I mean, right? Yes, I mean, that's, no, what, that's what that is playing through that entire conversation. I really like that flavor to it. Yes, and I, so cool. And and it becomes a thing later on when yeah. David does make out with future sin. Yeah, right. and it's it's I think it is a legit thing of like even if it's yourself, it's not really you right now. It's right. it's a, another kind of version of you. So I thought she, you know she had a justification to be jealous of her future self. You know. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, the like you were saying, the thing that also complicates it, that kind of splits her off into her own thing, is they know or they think that if they are able to change history, future Sid ceases to exist. Yeah. So essentially, she is another person in a certain way. Right, and I, that's why I feel like David is much more uh, into her uh, yeah. than his present day Sid. Present day Sid seems complicated to him. Future Sid seems well, she's simple. She's a cat sometimes, so it's like yeah. it's tough. No, totally. I yeah. did a cat, and so this it feels a little weird, uh, or it feels like he's very much more into her and is sort of pushing for that, as if it's like the fruit right. fruit in the conversation. Well, but she also needs him more. She hasn't seen him. She's in playing him. Yeah, yeah, she I is think. playing him. Yeah, and we don't even know if Future Sid is really Sid. I, I still think she is. Again, I maybe I'm know. looking at this show's too straightforward. Did you forward. just casually mention that you used to date a cat? I don't remember saying that. Oh. <laughs> I guess maybe that happens in the future. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you used to talk a lot about getting pussy in college. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God. Well, I mean, we all, we all dated a cat in college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to experiment. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, we get this speech about the dream and the memory of a dream from Sid as well, which I thought was... Uh, was sort of it, it encapsulates so much of the reality bending stuff we have in this series, but also the the value. Like uh, it feels like David in this episode is valuing uh, the memory of a dream more than the actual dream, and that above reality, above above all. Yeah. So this just plot wise, though, this gets to the thing that. Uh, it wasn't bad. You know, there's no bad episodes of Legion. You're damn right there isn't. Aren't. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the, the beginning sequence, the John Hamm sequence, was so good, and a lot of the future stuff was so good. But when we got to the middle part of the episode... Sorry, now I'm going to split it into three, Pete. Uh, it 
slowed down. And I felt like with the razor sharp focus we've had the past three episodes in particular, it was a bit of a bummer that we felt like, okay, we're almost getting three different episodes here in this episode time. Oh, so you're complaining that you got more. No, nope, that's not less. what I'm talking about. I, I see what you mean, like- though. The uh, last few episodes have had a cohesive sort of story yeah. to one-off story, almost like bottle episode story to tell. This was very much pushing sort of all the pieces down the board right. uh, and moving the plot forward. So I get that, but I do think a lot of cool stuff happened. Uh, at the top of the episode, we had that we haven't talked about yet, the dinner between David and Farouk. That's right. Uh, where uh, Farouk traps him uh, in this dinner with these like sort of... Victorian children uh, briefly and then his sister's there laughing David then attacks her in a way like I feel like this stuff is sort of dream logic but like it doesn't paint David in a great light. He seems right. like he's being duped by Amal Farouk and also horrible well, to his sister. What we're getting throughout the season is we're seeing, like we've talked about a lot already, is who is a hero, who is a villain? What makes you a hero? What makes you a villain? And we've always assumed that David is the hero of the series, but we're starting to see, is he being pushed down the path towards being a villain? Yeah. And ultimately, like all great comic book stories and all superhero stories, when he gets to a decision point, that will make him or break him. You know, he will either step up and be like, no, this is a decision that is wrong and become the hero he's meant to be, or he'll take it too far, like we've been told, and bash Farouk's head in, kill him, and cause the end of the world. Yeah. And I think where last season it was all about, like, man, can David get his shit together to fix this? With this, it's can David sift through all these people manipulating him Mm -hmm. to make the right choice? And uh, so far, it feels like he's maybe not doing a great job of that. No. Uh, But we do get towards that a little bit by the end of the episode. Should we talk about what happens with Tonomy? Uh, real quick, I, before we move off uh, like the Amy stuff, uh, and the, we don't see a lot of Lenny this episode, but we do have that scene where she's snapping in the mirror, yeah. um, and it made me think that maybe there's a little bit of Amy left inside Lenny that mm-hmm. could be um, uh, re reemerge, or she's just a big fan of the Last Jedi. Uh, yeah, I guess that's true. Mm-hmm. We haven't really touched. <sighs> do you think Lenny is Ray's real parents? Oh, oh that's fun. That makes sense. Yeah, that it's makes- a good theory. Uh, check out my blog. At uh, blog dot blog, check and out Alex's blog. All the nonsense <laughs> in pop culture at once. Um, uh, can, can we? That's called Tumblr. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the, the bug fight. Uh, well, I just want to mention. I do agree with you. I think that there is a bit of Amy there, and we're getting a new Lenny. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. Yes, yeah. uh, Lenny is a definitely a big question mark because they certainly worked hard to get her back. Yeah, and now yeah. we don't know what that's for. So the other thing that's been going on is that uh, Tonomy has had this delusion crawl into his oh, head, and we thought maybe it's a metaphor, maybe it's not. Turns out, not so much of a metaphor, so much as a actual physical thing that crawls inside of his head and causes him to place eggs all over division three, letting other delusions crack out, cause a moral panic throughout division three where everybody thinks that Admiral Fukuyama is eating people. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was great. But that took place in the second half, which you said sucks. So yeah, maybe you didn't like it. huh? Uh, No, no, no. What? You were saying that the stuff that happened in the second half wasn't as good. Yeah, I didn't like it as much. Oh, my God. I thought that was very powerful and amazing. When you saw those empty eggshells in the hallways. That was cool. That was insane. Well, you love fertilizer. Yeah, man. He's got a great compost heap uh, in his pocket at all times. Uh, <laughs> got to keep it going. Got to so, get those nutrients for the soil. So what do we think Tonomy's deal is? Is he still the friend? Is he a good guy? Or was he just influenced by this thing? Like, 
Yeah, this, I think this is so we might come back and loop around to this. And I know we're kind of jumping through the whole sequence here. But what I didn't love about this is just like, oh, this is just another thing. You know, we have what's going on with the Shadow King, the Mego monk tied back to the Shadow King. Yeah. Uh, everything seems to tie back to the central conflict between the Shadow King and David, except for this, which was like, oh, then there's another thing. And, you know, maybe this is an attack by the Shadow King, and maybe I'm missing a little something there. Yeah, or something but will it be kind revealed of like, later. What? Or something will be revealed later. Yeah, or something will be revealed later. And I think then going back, I'll probably like this a little bit more. But the way that it was treated in the episode, it felt like, oh, then also there was this delusion because wouldn't that be neat? That invaded Tonomy, took over everybody, became this big beast, and that was the end of that. But I do think, even if it is just that, that is sort of the point of it, that it starts out as nothing and becomes like a big problem. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I don't mind if it's a standalone sort of monster of the week that's been slowly building up for till this episode. Like, I, I thought that was cool and sort of yeah, representative of way- it. It felt like an X-Men comic. But it was also like this thing of like David falling short, not being able to handle what's going on. And he stepped up huge uh, to take on this giant thought monster. And I really love the way they did it. We talk about how they use the practical effects. And I thought this was really amazing the way this was done. Yeah, they actually created this monster. Yeah, yeah I, I loved it, real. and I loved the way he pulled him out of the foreheads of his buddies. Yeah. Uh, I loved it, the sequence before David got there when they were, like, fucked up and, like, getting into the whole the fight with the Vermilion. Yeah, well, that's, my favorite moment in the episode is Clark starts to realize something's Melty wrong. Face. Melty face. yeah, exactly. Uh, he's walking down the hallway, and he sees the Vermilion behind him. There's this song playing, and as usual with Legion, you're like, oh, it's just a song that's playing in the background, but it's clearly not. It's actually a dad sequence where each time he turns around, they're in a different pose. Yeah. Love that. Uh, until they come close to it. I don't know if you guys ever watched Doctor Who. There's an episode called Blink with these, uh, these villains called the Weeping Angels, where every time you close your eyes they get a little closer to you no, it's man. absolutely terrifying it reminded me very pleasantly of that i love uh, doctor who that's why i don't ever ever watch it <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah all the stuff with the vermilion i thought was great i love that uh th- everybody goes crazy they're going after admiral fukuyama to try to take him out uh the three uh, members of the vermilion come out then three more then three more after that and it turns out there's actually an entire army of cyborgs with mustaches that he has in his command Thought that was pretty cool. Very cool. It was pretty awesome. Uh, now we get to see Admiral Fukuyama's face. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not a big reveal there. Yeah, this is the. Uh, it turns out it's the actor who plays Admiral Fukuyama. Yeah, <laughs> and that's pretty much it. I thought there was going to be more. It made me think that there. It's such a passed over thing that maybe it will be revealed later that there's something more there. Well, so let me ask you a question. Did you feel this? This might have been from my personal perspective because I know we've been talking a lot on the podcast where about this theory of like is Admiral Fukuyama secretly the Shadow King what's going on with him why is he hiding his face um, do you think that's what the reveal of it was about like that we almost have this moral panic as comic book fans as people watching a TV show to be like we have to figure out every single mystery and we got to yeah. find out who this guy is behind this mask yeah. and that they're playing against expectations the ser- superhero very specific comic book expectations that anytime there's a mask character it's somebody you know and it turns out the basket comes off of this guy and we've never seen this guy before it is interesting that especially like another podcast you do about Krypton uh, there's a character that wears a mask and when that was revealed it was just a guy yeah. <laughs> like I feel like it, maybe that's going around and now it's like, nope, masks don't matter. Right. Uh, but yes, I, I agree with you. Like 
it makes me more suspicious of it rather than oh, like, really? yeah, it makes me like, oh, maybe later we'll find out. X. I don't think so, though, because yeah, that no, actor, I, uh, I'm forgetting his name, but he has played Admiral Fukuyama since the first episode of the season. Yeah. He's just been inside of there sitting around just hanging out. So that's the guy who it is. Like, there's really nothing more to him than what we knew about him. And I think that was the point of the episode. Yeah. And that's cool. What about the uh, the pins that he had kind of coming out of his neck for the helmet? Uh, does, does that... Because I was like, oh, is his neck broken? Like, is he in a so neck brace? the backstory of Admiral Fukuyama, at least as far as we've heard it, is that he, I don't remember exactly what his mutant power is, but he got in a huge accident when he was a kid and he was horrifically scarred. Uh, that's, I think, why he has that neck brace as well. Okay. Uh, the basket thing is part of a real order of monks that exist in the real world that wear baskets over their head. Uh, but... In, he was no longer because they're shy. Yeah, because they're shy. Uh, they no longer were able. He was no longer was able to communicate. So they hooked him up to those wires so that he could communicate through the vermilion. Yeah. So everything that we heard about and knew about his backstory was accurate. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Wow. Sometimes an apple is just an apple. Maybe that's why I felt ambivalent about the episode is because it was a bunch of non-reveals that we oh. got. We found out Admiral Fukuyama is exactly who we thought he was. Uh, David confronted this monster, and it was just a monster. So far. Uh, again, I mean, uh, I just want to entertain the thought experiment of, like, maybe that's it. Like, maybe this is a commentary on mysteries in superhero literature. But I would also argue, especially on a show where, all, like, so much of it is, like, what is real in this show? And if they're just like, oh, no, that's just real and that's just real. Like, they've made it so that the most dramatic thing they can do in this, in Legion, is to have the characters just be what you expect. Yeah. That's I, cool. That's I, interesting. And it's still interesting. Yeah. yeah. Also, I thought... Oh, go ahead. Okay. I was going to say, I liked... How it was John Ham at the end, just like in the beginning, being like, what did we learn? I thought that was really powerful. And I think that supports Alex's theory because he's saying, hey, the... the I don't want to support Alex's theory. I know <laughs> you don't. Maybe you support the first half because what it, wa- <laughs> what it is is that the he's saying is like, hey, the anticipation and like the suspicion and fear is way more intense and more dangerous than actually dealing with the truth, which is what we learned that at the, of, of these, the bug is just a bug. Fukuyama is just Fukuyama. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the end of the episode because some bad shit goes down for Tatami. Uh, the bug does come out of him. Uh, basically, like, what's the guy's name from Men in Black? What are you talking about? Vincent D'Onofrio, when the bug comes oh, out of him. right. Yeah, yeah. kind of like that. Same thing happens to Tatami. Uh, they are able to save him, sort of, by plugging him into the forest behind Admiral Fukuyama. They plug him into a tree, and he finds himself in this gigantic area with a woman who tells him to shh. Yeah. That was... Insane because then it was almost like the shot was saying that uh, he's infecting the forest. Is that what you took from it? That's what, what did I you took take from it. Justin? Well, we saw the rocking chair lady uh, earlier in this episode. Was it? Yeah, it was early in the episode. She was sitting in the same room as Admiral Fukuyama. Yeah, who is she? Is uh, is a question. It feels like what and why is she? What's the point of silencing? Like it is in the. F- if he's in the forest, like what's the, why do we need to be quiet in the forest? Is it because Tanami sort of, he, he, the bug is insanity. He's gone insane. And she's like, shh, we can't hear from you anymore. You're a, a broken part of this machine right now. 
Um, I don't know. I mean, I did get a sense, like Pete was saying, that he did almost become pure information at that point and stretch outwards and know way more than he thought he did earlier. Um, but I'm not sure. There definitely is some mystery there. There also was, I thought, a sense of menace from it. Yeah. Like, we've gone through this whole moral panic thing of, oh, Admiral Fukuyama is actually just who he says he is. That's it. He's not eating people. And then at the end, we find out that there's kind of two people that have been absorbed by him sort of at this point. I don't know if you guys felt that at all. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Well, maybe that was that's what it is. It's sort of like uh, your part of the story is over. Do you think that's it for Tanami at this point? It could be. It feels that way. Like, he it didn't really do much this season besides have the bug and be the infection. It yeah. could just be an old lady who you know, doesn't like loud noises, you know? That's I will a great say, point. when we're talking about tropes, I really hope they didn't kill off the only African-American member of the cast. That's yeah. all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, that Well, I, I don't know about killed off, bad. but I, I do think... Like he his his role is like he, he seems like he was very injured by whatever happened to him. Yeah, uh, I would also say though he is what was hooked up to a mainframe. I feel like maybe it's kind of a he may become more powerful there. Uh, yeah, so that he can maybe he's almost like a uh, but uh, like the computer on the Enterprise. Or it something. is heartbreaking because it's like <laughs> he's such a great character, and every time we want more from this guy. Sorry, the, the most powerful <laughs> computer you can think of is the computer from the Enterprise. I really don't know who takes everybody's. Bads I don't know why I thought that, but like uh, it is like p- keeping track of things. <laughs> no, it's not. I will. Why would you say like Jarvis or something? Well, Jarvis, yeah, it could be Jarvis. Yeah, uh, you could talk about the computer later from Superman three. She became pretty uh, powerful when she that jammed. Bad, that was a bad computer. Yeah, that was a bad computer. Yeah, I'm just saying there's options. That was a bad option you came up with. Yeah, no, I'm not saying it was great. I'm not saying it was great. It was the first one. Yeah, there you I go. will say. Yeah. That Anything else you want to talk about from the episode before we start to wrap up here? Uh, no, I mean uh, that's what I what I thought. I feel like maybe we've seen the last of John Hamm uh, and sort of the delusion aspect of this. I think I the so. idea of delusion is uh, will come back obviously as maybe a theme for this whole season. And I think we're getting into sort of the finale rack of our confrontation there's with the Shadow King. There's a lot to go. So I am super curious to see where they're going to go in this season by this point. How many more apps do we got? Uh, A bunch. Yeah? Yeah. That's exciting. Wait, what? uh, There was nine, eight in the first season? Yeah. So seven and like four or five more? I'm bad at at counting. You know what? I don't even care about the second half of it. Don't even worry about it. What (laughs) was real in this episode? What do you guys think was real? This is one of the better uh, episodes to ask that question. Thanks. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that um, the battle, I feel like one great character to know if it's real is seeing Carrie. Yeah. Uh, that's when you know stuff's real. Because we don't see a lot of Carrie, but we see a lot of Carrie. Okay. Uh, not this episode. fucking Yeah, not again. Carrie, but Carrie. Uh, so I do think um, the fight with the Vermilions felt real. Uh, <laughs> that was fun. One thing that I don't think is real, uh, continue to not think is real, is the restaurant where uh, Melty Face really? eats. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. That I love place that feels, that felt very, that was right when they were all under the delusion. Melty Face and Tanami ate there. That feels like the something bug was weird. Out there yeah. for a while. I think the bug was real. Those bugs were real. Yeah? Yeah. 
Oh, man. I hate bugs. Me uh, too. I was surprised to find out I think the eggs are real. Like, I don't think they're a metaphor. I think they literally were eggs with eggshells and delusion beasts running into everybody's minds, and that was yeah, all real. That was cool. There you go. If you'd like to support this show and other shows, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the Pit Loft in New York. Please come on by. Pete, what do you want to plug? Friend us on Facebook so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on our live show. Follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live. Check us out at Comic Book Club Live.com for the podcast and more, and we'll see you inside Legion. Guys, I'm real. <laughs>